All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just after three o'clock, welcome back. Monday edition of the Gregor Show. It is game day. The Oilers in Vancouver to uh, take on the Canucks as the Oilers. Oof. Uh, they're just trying to get a win. Any way possible, try to get a victory as uh, they are two seven and one I have five points they're in 31st place in the National Hockey League to say it's been a bad start would be polite this is Jason Greger show presented by playalberta.ca where of course experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device. Uh, go to playalberta.ca, sign up today as a new player, and you will get a $50 welcome bonus. Use the uh, promo code SPORTS50 or CASINO50. Check it out at uh, playalberta.ca. As we uh, welcome to the program our uh, regular Monday and Thursday co-host, uh, former uh, NHLer, first-round pick, uh, eighth overall back in uh, 1995 right here in Edmonton. Uh, also, he uh, plays Hitch on the uh, TV series Shorzy, which has been announced uh, season three. They will be doing shooting right away. And he's an author who just released a new book. Terry Ryan joins us. TR, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, well, considering I haven't been asleep yet from last night, those flights in Newfoundland, 5 a.m. I had to be there at 3 because I got a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm uh, in Sudbury now for... Uh, six or seven weeks. So, uh, you know, I had to get up at one thirty. and you know what, you know, it's funny. 
you know, like my group of buddies, I don't really question it. We, we had a skate at nine o'clock and, and that's the slot we've been in for a while here. There's more desirable slots on, on Sunday, but you know, I just call my buddy. I'm like, I don't know if I can go. And he's like, well, you know, you're like, we got no one to balance it out. Like there's, so I was like, yeah, okay, no problem. I should never have skated at nine o'clock at night. No, you know, but it's like an obligation to your buddies. It's yeah. like street hockey back in the day. Well, you got the net. You got to go. Yeah. You know, like, oh. so yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got Fair the enough. net. But we have Johnny Reed on one team and you're on the other. We got these because they balance the lines and everything. I'm like, okay. Anyway, I got home wired for sound at midnight. Did you say Yanni Rita? Johnny Reed. Oh, Johnny Reed. I was like, what? Yanni Reed is from player. moving yeah. out to Newfoundland? Holy cow. Former, uh, I think it was Rita was a 13th or 14th uh, overall selection. So uh, mm-hmm. you're in Sudsbury. Yeah. Uh, to, you got the uh, the filming starting. But uh, your new book, it's out, is it not? The book, the book came out in 2020, technically, but I've never, like, when I was with my first book, ECW, okay, and that's that's a, 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 a publishing company in Toronto, and one of the deals with ECW is that it's automatically when you sign with them, it's in every Indigo store in Canada for it. At least my my deal was, and I had a standard deal. Right, I just wrote a book. It wasn't like they approached me. I, I I battled to get it. They were the only people that helped me out at first. Doubleday Publishing wanted somebody else to write it. I think people wanted to hone in on like the Oh shucks, Montreal, or, or the the negative battle between me and Michelle Terrian. But I never wanted to do that. And they, to be honest with you, Jason, I needed the money, and they offered me a company, pretty big one, fifty thousand okay. dollars. And i i didn't I didn't want to do it's that. I'm like, it's not well. my story, though. I go when I read my journals, even though some bad stuff happened in the public eye in Montreal, because that's a big, you know historic organization but my career i look at it as positive like i had a lot of fun i met yeah. some of the best people I'm, I'm on in edmonton now i got you know at least 20 direct friends for life right there you know uh so i just never looked at it i guess as as meant much of the public did and i and it, you know really i realized that and i said no well i'm definitely not having anybody else write it because i don't i want total control and ecw let me do that now so that came out in uh, 2015, and it, was, it became a bestseller. It really helped over the years, you know, Spit and Chicklets, and then Shorzy. I mean, it, it went a bestseller again at least once, I think, two or three more times. In the, in the t- and it's my first book called Tales of a First Round Nothing. I'm really proud of it. It was, you know, I had one shot. I never thought I'd ever get a book published, and that was it. It's 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 more of a story of a boy, you know, and his ride through life, and it happens to be hockey's that journey. I've always said I think a dressing room mirrors real life. In, in many, many ways. Uh, and um, so in the pandemic, I just, you know, everybody was looking for something to do. And I don't know, two months of like playing video games at 10 in the morning. Just I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And uh, I I honestly, you know what I did, Jason? I uh, In Newfoundland, the first jobs to come back were in the film industry, if you can believe it. And there's a show Hudson and Rex still on. And I do crew once in a while. So I was like locking up, they call it, on locations, like just making sure that no cars or people walked into a shot. And I was just out there, and I realized, I didn't realize until then that you could, I got word on my phone, and you could just text, speech to text. So I literally just, I thought of like Darren Langdon, um, you know, a, a player that I looked up to. And, you know, I, I got to have a few pages on Langer. I'd tell a little story, and then maybe it would remind me of something else. And I had this, mis- and I have journals that I always keep. And I just put it together, it really didn't, take you know it, it, i didn't put as much thought into it but it's really 
it, a lot of them are stories that have that have been around since you know that happened to me 20 years ago that i look back on i got the film stuff now in there that the first one i was just feet wet so there's a lot of different but i've never re- and, and the thing is i it's great company newfoundland flanker press they were nice enough to sign me to do another book and um you know it's it just it, they don't have the same luxury. They're not all over Canada in every store. You got to kind of sell it. And I'm so busy. Like, it's not like I'm out there hustling it much. So I said, you know, this holiday season, I'm really going to put some time into it. And honestly, the, a lot of people it got good reviews. I'm not just trying to pump it on here. You ask me the question. I appreciate that. It's not like we had this set up. But, you know, it did get critically. It got some good reviews and i'm proud of it and as much as my first i just figured you know i'd go and maybe this will be the third year but i really haven't put much time into promoting it so what's the second book called because i've read your first book i didn't even know you had that what's the second one called yeah no not, not a lot of people did yeah. um it's called yeah, you're terrible with- you're, you're not even promoting yourself to your friends which i can respect on one side but then on the other i'm like dude at least like mention hey you know what yeah i have a second book out what yeah what's it called you know i yeah i thought about it and, and i just thought it would do its thing but, but tales with uh, tales of a first round nothing is obviously more out there a lot of people don't even i just figured they'd find it but that's not the case and you know flanker being a smaller company but my second one is called fights film and folklore now in the first part it's a little bit I, I guess poignant would be the word. Like I try to explain, you know, what happens when I, I missed a year, Jason, with concussion. I talk about an ankle injury, but really I made the Canadians when I was 19. I had a bad concussion. You can see it on YouTube. Kevin pop hit me in Seattle. And I mean, it was a year, almost a year to the day of real, real it's on the internet. Um, if anybody wants to look at it on YouTube, it's scary. I mean, I was out cold four and a half hours i woke up in the seattle hospital man and i just didn't know no one really knew much i flew up to prince george the next day for the all-star game i hit sheldon surrey who's my buddy and i just kind of sours i'm coming like i was just kind of you know finishing my hip but not wanting to hurt him and and i bounced off him and all of a sudden like i could see different things memories came back I, i realized i was throwing up and that happened for almost a year so i know what that's like my experience was that it happened with, with, like, I used to fight. I remember going at Brendan Witt and fighting him so he wouldn't hit me because I used to say to people, I don't mind the punch in the face. It's those it's those shots in open ice or, you know, got your head down and someone coming up. So that was always the thing with me, and, and it's a tough it's, it's tough to explain because everybody has different symptoms, but I just tried to put it, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with a lot of people have mental adversity and, um, you know, they say mental health awareness. Well, that's a form of it, man. You're going through a concussion. People used to ask me, do you think it hit part of your brain? Did it hit? And, and you know, that it hit emotions. I'm like, my, my, my brain doesn't work. Obviously, I'm going to be stressed about it. You know, playing, I got gifted. I was on the Montreal Canadiens at 19, and I could not play. We were in Phoenix, man. I squared off with Keith Kachuk. I knew it was my job to get a guy like that off the ice. He was playing with Mike Gartner. I remember being just in awe of being out there. But I just couldn't. And even Chuck, I remember, said to me, he said, you're not well. I said, no. And I skated right off. I looked at the bench. I said, I'm gone. And I flew myself to the Mayo Clinic. Um, and the Canadians reimbursed me, but it was a dark, dark time. Now, that's the first 30 pages. I try to explain that. And then, you know, why I still love the roughness in hockey. We all know going in what the risks are. Yep. Came out of it okay. I don't want to be morbid. I just try to relate with people and explain to them the difference and the nuances between a knockout and post-concussion syndrome, two totally different things. Um, Ryan Vandenbush hit me, knocked me out in Chicago. Next day, I'm fine. I got a black eye. 
but the post concussion syndrome is is the the real the real hard part to go through and anyway so i do but then the middle part is um film it's all about my life in film you know meeting jason momoa and ethan hawk and just being right place right time it had nothing to do with my hockey career really i mean everything kind of does but you know and uh you know after that the folklore is just stories like my last nhl shift uh you know with i fought cam russell and you know my good i i do have good stories with michelle tarian i didn't really like him that much but i didn't like the picture i totally painted in the first book so i i mean i did i'm really really proud of it but i just thought everybody deserves a second chance i didn't love michelle tarian and in fact i found him really ignorant but he's human he went on to coach better people than me and and seems to be a professional so we were both really young and i kind of wanted to put that to bed so it's all those things and more awesome mom quickly before i go to break uh the edmonton orders are two seven and one and uh, normally when you're losing and the thing is like the orders they shouldn't be this bad like it's not like they're ravaged by injuries it's not like they've got no skill on defense it's not like they're the sharks right like the san jose sharks if you look at the sharks roster you go man to man the sharks of the orders it's not close right but the sharks are the only team worse than the owners right now in the nhl and when you don't have one area of your game that you can fall back on terry because you i always hear that okay you know what if we're getting to a struggle here let's fall back on our foundation well, I don't think the orders have a foundation, or at least they're not showing what their foundation is. So how do they get out of this mess? Man, doesn't if in all my years of playing or or analyzing or, or focusing on the game of hockey, I don't remember sounding like a broken record this many times. I don't know, man. It's the same thing again. And again and again. And not only that, if there's one, I don't even know if this is a good thing, but I think it is. Like, if you watch Seattle, they're obviously awful. Every time I watch Edmonton, even in these losses, other than the 8-1 to one drubbing and maybe another one or, or maybe two. But, you know, a, a lot of these games, like, they're getting, like, 40 and 50 shots. It seems like... It seems like it's just going to explode and they're going to get 10, okay. but it doesn't happen. And I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm like, this is a big sample size now. It's yeah. not small anymore. So I, I, what is the reason? I don't know. Are they not bearing down? I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand not, not coming ready to go. I, I, I don't know. I just don't. It's the NHL that you figure that would be the least of your worries. And you look at them on paper and we're not idiots, a bunch. I mean, I did, you did. I, I wouldn't be out there taking my advice when it comes to the NFL, but I think we have a pretty good handle on the sport of hockey. People that I talk to, other people, but colleagues that I respect, players, and everybody had them up near the top, if not at the top. So what is going on? What are we seeing? Like, I, it's so tough. It's so tough to really not only predict, but it, it's tough to even explain. And, and on top of it all, you got players that, the whole world wants to tune in and see because they're so good. It's wild. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, when we come back, uh, Edmonton's not the only Canadian market right now having a little bit of a frustration. Uh, their captain, uh, the fans are chanting, fire the head coach. The captain's trying to calm him down. I'm not sure any of it's working. So uh, whose seat is hotter? We'll find out next on the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 325. 
game day on Sports 1440 Live on Oilers Nation YouTube. And uh, nice to see that uh, many of you would rather see a loss just for me. I have a terrible hairstyle for seven months. I respect it, but hate it at the same time. So, well, uh, hopefully that doesn't ever happen. But my goodness, imagine losing to the Sharks. That would be awful. Awful. Now, um, there's lots of angst in Edmonton right now. And uh, a fair amount, but maybe for in, in a little bit different uh, way in Ottawa, where uh, they've already fired their GM. They've had, uh, you know, they've lost a first round draft pick for something that happened uh, before the owner was even there. I still think that was too harsh of a punishment, my own personal opinion. Um, Shane Pinto suspended for 41 games. The fans are chanting, fire the coach. It has been like a season filled of drama in the first 10 games. And uh, to talk about it, uh, former NHL executive, I uh, just launched his new uh, podcast on the Sick Podcast Network. Uh, Sean Simpson joins us once again from Ottawa. Simmer, how you doing? I'm excellent. I do not want to talk any hockey. I want to talk Terry Ryan. Uh, first of all, when I was scouting for the Capitals, was the prospect game in, Pit- in uh, Kitchener, Terry, when you got into the scrap? It certainly was. Good memory. Yeah. I think that the Montreal Canadiens executive creamed in their pants, and that's why they drafted you right away. And I just watched the whole special with Biz Nasty, and I've been to the island lots of times. Your dad and bringing out the Liza Minnelli picture was unbelievable. And I have to ask you, because I'm a big Anthony Bourdain fan, does everybody get screeched in at that same bar? Because it's the same fellow that was in the Bourdain episode, right? Well, he's... uh yeah, he's great. He's the best around. You can get yeah. screeched in, and some people go through this, you know, and it's it's kind of with a wink and a nod, and maybe you're on your okay. way in five minutes. Okay. But he puts a – and I'm drawing a blank. Brian, Brian, it's it, the name of the place is Christian's. Yeah. He's yeah. been doing it for a while. He takes a lot of pride in it. Like, oh, you know, you that, go that episode like with Bourdain, break. that episode with Bourdain, I think the other restaurant's close. Sorry, uh, Jason, to go off oh, topic. Oh, no, it's all good, buddy. I, I just loved it. And I've been a bunch of times, but I was like, I got to go to that restaurant. And then obviously he ended up passing away. But you're, that episode with your dad, <laughs> well, that listen, was, that was just, just beautiful, just beautiful. Well, he's back on. It's great. He's back on the map now. What's happening is that a lot of his buddies, he played in the OHL, OHA, and you yeah. know the WHA and the IHL. A lot of them weren't on weren't on social media, but they saw oh, that. So okay. the phone's oh, been God. ringing off the hook. He's got reunions the last few years. <laughs> but listen, if you're ever over on the rock again, look oh, me yeah. up. I'll take you to the restaurant. Jeremy Charles, the chef there, is my best buddy. Oh, he is always that, awesome. Yeah, it looks so good. He Thanks. flew to Montreal. He was working in Le Chateau. He's my real, real good friend. Oh, okay, and Corson okay. gave him a job in the restaurant, and then he went to culinary school. He became a chef because of that. Oh, no yeah, way. He's a real good okay. friend. Oh, that's awesome. You know, six degrees of separation with TR. It happens every episode. It's fantastic. Oh, exactly. I love it. Uh, yeah. uh, Simmer, the, uh, the yeah. Ottawa Senators, hey, I picked a good time to launch a podcast there. There's, like, no shortage yeah. of storylines for you. Like, I guess let's start yeah. with um, DJ Smith. And, and yeah. the sense he's been there and, and they haven't been able to get over the hump. And I don't care who the coach yeah. is. If you don't have good players. Then I never really oh, blame the sure. coach, but yeah. they, they seemingly have better players and it's not a terrible yeah. start. Like Edmonton would tell you, they would wish no, they had no. an Ottawa start, but so what do you yeah. make of a, uh, how much pressure is there there simply because it's a new ownership and a new GM? 
Well, it's certainly that. You guys were talking about Edmonton. Hey, Stanley Cup contender, you got no goaltending. I mean, how many times, guys, do we go through the league year after year? You got crap goaltending, you're not going anywhere. In Ottawa's case, it's not the story. I guess the story for DJ Smith is that we saw some forward progress guys over the four years, but the team has never learned to play properly. Uh, I'm pretty good friends with Bruce Cassidy and Jimmy Montgomery and different coaches. I've been fortunate to work with Barry Trotz and Ron Wilson and Butchie, for that matter. You see what can affect as far as organization. I know the players like him. I know he's a, a guy's guy, coach's coach, but the attention to detail, and I'll be honest with you guys coming in, and you've seen more of L.A. than I have, uh, Jace. Uh, when you look at something like that, the contrast of the sum of parts of L.A. and all of a sudden you flip goaltenders, Talbot and Corpusallo, it's just kind of plain in sight that they don't play properly. There is no accountability. There's been some pretty good progress. And to, to what you said, they're four and six, but the majority of the games they've played well, it's just when they've run into injuries, all of a sudden everything's magnified because there is a really a system and a structure. And all of a sudden it just falls apart. And quite simply, people have just had enough. And I don't disagree. I think they need, and this is really like Ottawa guys back in the day when Jacques Martin came in, okay. you know, you have to re-round the furniture, rearrange the furniture and bring some stability. It's not crazy crazy but in my estimation it's something that needs to be done when do you think like how how short of a leash how hot is the seat for dj you know what? I have no idea because, as you said, the circumstance of what's going on here is so bizarre. And I'm sure and you've been around it. Steve Stayos, I'm sure, is a real nice guy. He worked one year in the National Hockey League in a front office. He's a junior hockey executive. You come in to say people are saying he'd come in to support Pierre Dorian. He's actually coming in to try to learn the job. Next thing you know of not your doing, Pierre Dorian's fired and you don't know what to do. So as far as the coaching dynamic and how this is playing out with the ownership, I have no idea because it's such a bizarre set of circumstances. Are you going to hire a GM first? It feels like he's a big DJ Smith, so I really have no idea. Other than the obvious, if it continues to slide, yeah, I think you get to a point, probably from a new ownership, after you paid eight hundred and fifty of your own money plus another hundred for the daughters. After I paid nine hundred and fifty million US, if the business starts to slide, you have no choice but to make a change at that point. Sean. As I watch the Senators, we've been waiting for years. Yeah. They're, you know, they were young. They had a pass. Like, are they an up and coming contending team, or are they just simply a little bit above average? Like, what? No, what no, the- no, no, no. No, they're up and coming. And I'll say this from the Edmonton perspective. You went through that whole R&H period, right? Pittsburgh back in the day. Chicago had a rebuild before they brought in the real guys. When you start a team with Stutzla, Kachuk, and Sanders and some of the other pieces in place, guys, you've drafted enough. And I'm not saying the three players alone. Oh, no, there's enough here that this rebuild has been proper. Has it been perfect? No. And I know, Greg, you brought that up earlier today, talking about teams going through it. It's the only way to build a team now. Is it an exact science? No, Terry. But I will say, yeah, no, this isn't one of those ones where you start to say, you know what? Hey, uh, Brady Kachuk is like a young Mark Messi as a leader. Stutzla will be number one center. Sanderson, some of the other pieces in place. Oh, no, there's a really nice foundation here. It's just been kind of a push now under Pierre Dorian or previous to that where they tried to push some moves, push to brink it, push some things along. And now you're kind of at the salary cap, but at the same time, you don't have a ton of assets, but they still have a very bright future for sure. One of my idols growing up was Dwayne Norris, who scored the winner for Canada the year before John Slaney did it in a much more dramatic fashion. But Dwayne Norris did it the year before. And of course, Newf as well. 
Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Good. It, yeah. It's funny. My bud, t- buddy Todd Lushko and I'm around all yeah. those guys. So it was funny. I remember Dwayne playing and it was a great story. And uh, yeah, it really, One like I said, such favorites. a small he hockey world. with him. He was a hero of mine, as you can imagine, a few years oh, older yeah. and actually played in the NHL. We had none in the 80s. Yeah. Um, anyway, as I don't know if everybody out there knows, but Josh Norris is Dwayne's son. He yeah, also, exactly. uh, Josh, uh, Dwayne had a brother, Warren, who played in the American League okay. and overseas. Okay. Very, very talented yeah. family. But yeah. I want to know, uh, Josh, man, that injury was tough, and he came back. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he was sheepish for a while. But every time he gets playing, he looks dynamite. Like, what's the word on Josh? You think he's out oh, of his yeah. injury woes? Uh, it sure feels like it. And, again, nothing to worry about. I, I kind of question a couple of things, guys. When he went through the big shoulder surgery, I said at the time, hey, I love the guy. There was a big, obviously, scare the year before. Sorry, my dog Echoes right here wants a little love. Um, I said, you know what? Eight years to me at that money is a bit much, a bit of a risk. Good for Craig Oster. Protect your client. Josh loves hockey. He trains hard. He's a great kid. I haven't seen any issues whatsoever. What's unique about him, guys, though, is he's another one of these American kids that appears to be a better goal scorer than he is as a playmaker. So trying to find the right, and they're going to put him with now with Kachuk and, and Batherson, which was a good line back in the day, and kind of move along. But, yeah, I have no fears and no worries. Just get the reps in. But it's sure, and you kind of, like I said, I don't know the fella, but as a half Canadian, kind of cheering for him and hoping, uh, hmm. hoping he can stay healthy. Hmm. Sean Simpson uh, joins us. So, Sean, you look, you know, Brady Kachuk is uh, very emotional, him and Chicker. And I don't mind oh, when yeah. players get into it. I don't, I, I think people over, uh, over, um, uh, analyze some of that stuff yeah. sometimes. Competitive yeah. people are going to get into each other's face and then they're two seconds later, it's no big deal. Um, yeah. The goaltending in Ottawa, is it good enough? What's, uh, what's, what's your plan, do you think, or what's your evaluation of their goaltending thus far? Well, that is, and I've kind of chatted up Corpus Allo for a while, and I think we had a little talk about it on social media a few years ago. I kind of look at the contrast from L.A. to the system they're playing. I would say that between Corpus Allo and Forsberg, if they were playing properly, I think they can get to the playoffs. Have I seen anything of the tandem that can take you to the promised land? No, I do kind of look at Vegas, but yeah, I'm not pinning it all on them. And I thought, you know, again, I guess what's a bit of a nervous trend, you know, for Forsberg, but in particular Corpus Allo, going back to opening night against Carolina, some of these short side goals high and a lot of goals high on the net are just kind of like that first night I was like man you got to have that and then when we've seen this kind of trend where it's going a little bit further it's made me a bit nervous for for sure but I guess this is also the fun part right as you start critiquing around the team you you only have so many fires to put out I'm not putting it quite on the goaltending yet but when you're missing three of your defensemen your expectations with two veteran guys late in their 20s certainly need to be better now, what's the update on status of the health of their blue line? Well, again, it sounds like Zub's going to play Wednesday uh, um, against Toronto, in Toronto, which is a nice thing. got a big back-to-back coming home against Vancouver, Calgary Thursday, or Saturday, sorry, before they head to Sweden. Branstrom is back skating. I think that'll be a while, and then certainly no word on uh, on Thomas Shabbat. But as far as kind of the slotting, getting Zub back and then at least kind of filling from there gives him a chance. That little layer on the right side of Shabbat and Zub out, it was pretty tough for pretty much anybody. I think like anybody in the salary cap era, uh, she thins out in a hurry. And um, lastly, for me anyway, the yeah, w- what are you hearing? Like Alex Formanton, this is second year now, not in the league. Um, yeah, you know, what, yeah. what are you hearing about that investigation? If it'll ever come to fruition and, uh, Shane Pinto, are you expect, like, is he going to sign a league minimum when he finally signs here? What's going to be the contract for him? I'm assuming it's a one year deal. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I would assume. Now, as far as Formanton, and again, there was word of, and I think Nick Kiprios came out with that the daughters didn't want him back. It was kind of a weird circumstance. And you know, with social media now, these one of these subjects you don't even bother weighing in on because if you try to back Alex Formanton now, even with nothing guilty, nothing happened, people are going to be all over you. But I find it very bizarre that nothing's ever happened. Nothing's come of it. And here a guy is a year and 10 games in where I assume there's other players involved or it's been whispered about, but I, I don't have anything concrete and I just leave it alone. Basically it's reported other than it's rare. Now, as far as Shane Pinto, uh, this particularly came out of nowhere. And I guess in somewhat of a positive because of salary cap guys, yeah, assumption is I think he feels the organization has been kind to him. Come back and play on the 875. Be thankful that you weren't probably fine more. Had you signed a bridge deal? Yeah. Then I think they should open up some space and in a crazy way, it might've saved him some dough. Um, but no, I would assume they sit down in the summertime and, and maybe it's a long term. Uh, he and Ridley Gregg certainly have a future as far as top six forwards. So in a bit of a, a cap crunch and a cap going up, um, it wouldn't be a bad thing. If you could ever do a Nashville style deal with both of these guys and extend them out without being a crazy money, I, I'd, I'd be all for it. Both of them. And Ridley Gregg has actually been a huge loss. I'm sure you saw him yeah. a lot in the Western Hockey League. Oh, he's, heck of a he's, just, he, he's probably not talked about enough as far as what they were missing, man. He is just an absolute self-starter and a, a dream to have on your team. Always good to talk to you, man. Uh, enjoy it. It'll be interesting to see Ottawa or uh, Edmonton. There's lots of questions. <laughs> There's lots of frustration yeah. in both markets for different reasons. Uh, Simmer, yeah. always good to catch up with you, man. Good luck with yeah, the Yeah, thanks uh, for having me pod. on. And uh, Terry, absolutely. Got to get out there sometime. Like I said, love, love the people in Newfoundland. Market Town, I'm your tour guide. All right. Thanks, brother. Cheers. See you, buddy. There you go. That is uh, Sean Simpson uh, joining us from uh, Ottawa, where there's a lots of angst there, lots of frustration for different reasons. You know, Edmonton's it's 10 games that has people fired up. Ottawa, it's like six years. So uh, it's the frustration comes from different uh, areas, but I think the pressure uh, on, on coaching staff, on the players is is pretty high. You see the captain trying to, hey, you know what? Uh, calm down. We'll be fine. I don't think it's ever been a work ethic thing. And I kind of respect Brady Kachuk for that. I, I think I agree with them. Work ethic hasn't been their problem in Ottawa, but execution, which is right now the problem in Edmonton, Terry. Like when I watch the orders and you look at the amount of chances they give up off the rush continually, that's not a systemic issue. That's an in-game lack of commitment or willingness to make the right play. Is that fair? Yeah, I can't honestly. It happened again last game. Like these, these defensive lapses are, I mean, I, I, You'd expect it out of a last place Bantam team, and I'm serious. Right? Yeah. I'm serious. Um, I know it's easy for me to say, but look, this isn't like players can't keep up or aren't good enough or don't have the creative skills or the hockey IQ. It's just silly, silly plays that you should know the difference. Um, when I, I find, I, 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 first of all, I find it really hard to sit here and carve one of the best players in the world, okay? But that being said, that out of the way, I find Leon Dreisaitl's game is like a microcosm of it all. Do you, do you notice that he's, like, passing it? Like, he's, he's one of the best passers I've ever seen. But there's something about it. Like, the, he's not – I don't know what the analytics say, but for me, watching it at home, my naked eye, passes that he's often Make. made that really are, are, are hard passes, though, let's be honest, for anybody – but usually, like, it seems to me that they're significantly down. And then when they're in around the net, sometimes they look for that little 
that extra little play. So the, again, these are just decisions. They got it around the net in the first place is a good thing, but I don't know. I just find that like Drysdale seems a little bit off. Yeah, sure you'll get it back, but it's it's just like you know, ugh, just something. You oh, know? oh no, I, Tara, I would agree with you. Like they're they're and the frustration, even for the best players in the world, I think confidence can wane, frustration can get higher, and uh, then you start forcing things like Drysdale. You know, he might miss the net on his one timer, and that happens lots. But he's been fanning on his one-timer, yeah. and that's what yeah. I don't see. And to me, that's a sign of just something's off. Like, if you miss the net, like Brett Hall always said, and I remember we had Adam Oates who used to do my show lots, and he would talk about it. He goes, man, I could put in Brett Hall's wheelhouse. He would never miss it. He might miss the net, but he would never miss it because he was a good shooter. And rarely do I look back on the last few years, Jai Suttle missed the net lots. He's going high. Like, it's, he has a small area usually that he's shooting at, right? And he hits it more often than not. But lately, like, He's just been fanning on one-timers. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, no offense. That's what Yeso Pugliarvi did for many years. He would fan on one-timers because he's not a good one-timer. But Drysaddle is. So for me to see a player doing that, something, I don't know. if It's, it's got to be confidence because it's not an injury. It's got to be confidence. And it's a weird thing how it can suddenly just up and bite you when you least expect it. And a lot of times, so that kind of on-ice mistake it's often because you're not into it, but I, I believe with Dreisaitl, it's the other way around. I think he's squeezing his stick, and he's thinking about it a lot. I mean, the guy really does care. I mean, you can just tell in his post-game comments and the way he carries himself. I know I said sometimes, you know, his body language, but that's that's a work in progress. Like, he's upset in the first place. Like, the guy cares, and he's out there, and I, yeah, you, you know, you're you're so used to seeing it be almost flawless that it's tough to sit here and critique it, but it's true, and uh you know, it just seems to almost be like contagious. I hate to use Bouchard again, but and Ekholm hasn't been all that in a bag of treats either. But um, you know, considering what he's supposed to be, but Bouchard, it's the same sort of thing. These these are, I'm not sure. And it might be the other way with him. I can't put my finger on it. Is it, is is it with him not being in it in the first place? I don't really know. But um, you know, again, broken record. I could go down the lineup and they're all making mistakes yeah. that normally they wouldn't. Yeah, and, it's uh, totally fair. It's totally fair. Yeah. Jason Gregor, Terry Ryan with you on Sports 1440. You can always text us at 833-401-1440. Got a lot of texts coming in in our Jiffy Lube inbox. Uh, we'll return. We got uh, Ryan's rant. Annie Petrillo, Kevin Woodley on the goaltending spec and more in a busy Monday edition of the Gregor Show. Live on Sports 1440 and Oders Nation YouTube presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 348, Jason Gregor, Connor Halley. With you, uh, Terry Ryan, joining us as always. Monday edition of The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Got a lot of text flying in. Uh, people wondering, yes, yeah, Stuart Skinner is starting in goal tonight. Uh, no surprise there for the Edmonton Orders. Also, uh, a lineup change. Uh, James Hamlin comes in. The Orders will actually have 20 skaters tonight. Uh, 18 skaters, two goalies. Hamlin will center Holloway and Lavoie. There's your kid line. Will they get five minutes of ice time? That's the question. Uh, Ryan's going to play with McLeod and Fogel like they were in the playoffs. Gagne with Nugent Hopkins and Kane, and then uh, Hyman, McDavid, and uh, Drysaddle. And I think it's fair to ask, David and Drysaddle don't have a goal in six straight games. At one point, do you split them up? Because it's not working, which I know sounds crazy. But let's be real. Six games, no goals, McDavid or Drysaddle. The hell's going on? Let's get to... Ryan's Rant, brought to you by Action Electrical. They keep expanding in their 50th year. They got commercial solar, residential solar, and, of course, electrical preventative maintenance for all commercial buildings. Learn more at actionelectrical.com. 
Dotnet, here is Ryan's rant. Well, thank you, Jason. So it seems this far in, 10 games, give or take. As far as the Canadian NHL landscape looks, it's almost turned on its head from what you would expect. Almost. Um, it's a little bit topsy-turvy. If, if a lot of sports writers, like I said, and critics and players and fans and whatever we had to predict this two months ago, I think you'd think they were Nostradamus-like. This is a little bit odd. So as you look, there's one common denominator. So you hear this comes from every team that's struggling, okay, in Canada. We have to, including the Oilers, we have to play 60 minutes. We have to play focused. We're playing in spurts. We got to come ready to play. We have to play with energy. I don't understand it. I, this is the NH, well, that should be the last thing. Everybody can do that. Anybody can do that. I can leave this hotel right now, go over to Walmart, pick up some snacks later, and every single person in there can give their hardest. Right, that to just give your hardest. I don't understand how that becomes a problem. Like, and then I thought about it, right? And I'm like, am I, am I just thinking like romanticizing the past? And I thought, man, and I look back even at some highlights. Here's some guys that I played with, and again, I, I hate to use me, but I can identify with it. Okay, I'm not saying I'm any better. I just think the era I played in, and maybe, you know. Not only that era, but in my experience in pro hockey, you finished your hits. Not everybody had to be Darcy Tucker, but like, I mean, I remember even Vincent Dumfries having a snarl. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mike Keane. I don't know what, he didn't fight much, but man, the guy finished his hits. Like I remember being benched if you didn't. And I don't want to bring this guy's name up because I don't want to bring any, I, I like him as a player. <laughs> But the like picture this situation, okay? You're playing on the Oilers or any team. The defense, you know, you've had a four check. 
the opposing D gets it and they're like in the corner and they're going high off the glass or, or passing it out or whatever. And they're skating forward towards the far goalie and you're now on defense and you're skating next to him. Like that to me, that's a golden opportunity to hit. Like I, 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 I honestly felt weird as a player, like not weird. What's the word? I, 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 um, I, I, I had, I, I had empathy for hitting someone coming through the middle and I didn't do it. Like you, I played rough and everything, but I didn't ever try to hit a guy with his head down. I know people do hats off to them. I couldn't be Brendan Witt. I, I could not do that. A, I skate straight up. I don't have a great center of gravity anyway, but it just didn't, I didn't have that in me. I grabbed somebody and have a temper, but I was never think that way. It was put the puck in the net and, you know, separate the forwards or, or with the player from the D and all that, or the net. That's what a hit was for. And, but I'm like I, but I hit a lot. Like if you were to look at analytics back then, you know there was easy stuff like how many hits. I would always be up there, but none of them were. Any, but I remember like towards the end of the game, I remember Nolan Baumgartner, who was a great deep. I mean, in NHL, he was pretty good. In junior, he was one of the best defensemen ever, the most decorated. And I remember like halfway through the second period, more than once, like Ugh, right, J- just finishing my hit, and then Nolan trying to get it out. Ugh. And given that, that that means that I'm affecting him, and that maybe with a minute left. Nolan doesn't have as much energy, and I just get it. The puck whistles free, and I get it out to Lankow, and he snipes, right? And I don't know. To me, it's like it's it's math, and it's logic. And when I see guys not doing it, man, there's a few on the Oilers. Like, these are easy layup hits. I'm not saying you got to go out there, man, and take somebody's head off. I know the game changed a bit, but I don't think it changed that much. And I look back at the teams who win, and they at least finish their hits, and then you hear all this stuff. Like I brought up one of these rants on one of the shows I'm doing, how I didn't like the shootout. And I'm like, give me five more minutes of overtime. And then someone brought up that the NHL pay PA would have something to say because it's more hockey. Sure, what are you tired of? What are you tired? <laughs> like if you don't make that play, like if you watch a game now, I get it. The people are fast, but a lot, a lot of them are floating. And I don't know if it's trendy. I don't. But, I mean, people, you know, we, we – often talk about the western league when i played there like it was the wild west and it kind of was but at least you'd get an effort out of everybody you know like if, if i if no someone on our team didn't try i would get benched bob lauks at every single time i remember getting benched it was because of that terry what are you doing you didn't finish your hit you didn't block that shot and it was just that's the way it went you had to sit the rest of the period sorry that, that that's it and i was a first round pick at 110 points 50 goals that year i just don't understand how it can be such a prevalent problem to these teams. I mean, I'm not even paying attention to teams down south. I don't know. Is it a league-wide thing? I mean, we've been looking for a while, but I don't know. These aren't aren't excuses. Like, I don't know. I'd rather we're taking too many penalties. Okay, I guess you give a, give a crap. I, I, I don't know. It's just these, well, we didn't come ready to play. I don't know. Well, come ready to play. You know what I mean? This is easy stuff. Penny Lane, my 13-year-old, comes ready to play. What are you talking about? It's a National Hockey League. The Stanley Cup's on the line, and the difference between you making 62000 and 800000 I just don't get it. Yeah, well, That's fair, man. I like the rant. It's, it's, um, it's an interesting one, and I think it's people just revert to it. Oh, yeah, we got to do this, because here's the thing. The Edmonton Orders, when they say, oh, we got to come out better, I don't buy it. The Oilers' first periods is the only period they've outscored teams. They're 14-11. In the second and the third period, they're absolutely getting destroyed. That's where their problem has been for this team. And They can start okay. Not like they're dominant because obviously four of those goals came in one game against Nashville. But if you look at their overall play, 
It's not the first period that's killing them. It's the second and the third period. So here's just some numbers uh, for folks if they're curious. If you look at the Edmonton orders, and by the way, they led the NHL in goals for last year in the first period and in the second period, and we're fourth in the third period. Like, they were pretty consistent. This year, they've outscored teams 14-11 in the first. They're getting outscored 17-8, to a 2-to-1 ratio in the uh, second period, and they're getting outscored 12-5 to over 2-to-1 ratio in the third period. So you do the math. That's 29-13 to in the second and third periods. And that, to me, is, uh, a, I don't know what has gone wrong, Terry, but it's not that they're not coming out, or unless they say we don't come out of the. I don't know what happens in intermission. I don't know if there's what what the coach's message is, what the players' message are, but their first twenty minutes decent. Their last forty minutes are absolutely awful, awful. And I don't know how to fix that. Um, I think it's a. I, I love that your uh, you know what uh, your give a damn meter needs to to register uh, a little bit higher. And the simplest thing, I agree with you. The simplest thing you can do is finish off your check. And you're right. It doesn't mean that you have to lambaste the guy every time, but it's a little bit, oof, maybe he felt that one. Ooh, now it adds up and away it goes. And maybe it creates a little animosity in the game, right? Like right now, opposing teams are like, oh, Derek Ryan, Dylan Holloway, Ryan McLeod. Right? Go down the list of guys who are like easy to play against as forwards. They don't mind playing against them. Right, like Evander Kane's your most physical forward, and that's great. But there's not a lot of other guys following suit, and uh, they need that. Uh, it's a very good rant. I love it from uh, Action Electrical. That is uh, Ryan's rant. Uh, grab some art, uh, guys. I love TR's rant, especially about heart. It seems like it's the simplest thing. So uh, to further up on it, how would he say, as a coach, how would you motivate them to show a little bit more consistency in their willingness and desire? See, that's the thing. When it comes to the Oilers, I don't have an answer because they got the they got the best leaders in hockey, so so called, you know. So I I don't know. I looked. The more I thought about it, and people calling out Woodcroft, I I don't know. I, I I just don't know. He's twice that I know of, including when he came in and started his tenure. He's gotten them out of a hole. One of these years, last year, the year before, I think they started poorly. So yeah. he proved he can do it. I I, I you know, some at some point you got to go out there. And like I said, the, the effort's one thing, but the reason that they're they're not coming playing up to par in the second and third is because people are doing what I just said to them. Yeah. Right. Look at the L.A. game, man. Right. Like, just look at it. Like they're 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 more focused. They're, they're, even the cycles, it just seems they they it, you you look at the Montreal Canadiens and they're a bunch of small guys skating around, but they have energy and it just seems like things happen. And I'm how, what am I doing comparing the Montreal Canadiens? I mean, I love them and g- glad I played for them, but the, 2023, I should not be giving the Oilers tips by using the Montreal Canadiens as an example, right? <laughs> but I mean, it's, to me, it's just you, you, and yeah, they might be and they might say, be. Well, they're playing more exciting. They're playing more exciting because they're 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 focused and they're out there. Look, the last thing I'll say, what <clears throat> a lot of players I played with, I'll use Aaron Asham, but you know, I, 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 the, the way. My career obviously wouldn't say it if you're looking at it, but I got hurt. I'm telling you, it made an impression on me. And Aaron Asham and Shane Corson, I remember, told me one of the first days that I ever met him. He was like, make sure you're first in line and you ask the coach a lot of questions. It just, just even if you know the answer, just ask because you're going to be noticed and you're going to be. And, and sure enough, man, And I'm like, yeah, that's an easy tip I can do. What happens? These guys are being led by who? Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are apparently these great leaders. I don't know. Then. Those young players have to make that hit. 
I just don't know because I would have to answer to somebody, whether it was Stefan Quintal or Vincent Damfus or Saku Koivu or Shane Orson or Darcy Tucker. I can go down. I can go down the list. Benoit Brunet. They called him Benoit the Brittle, but he still finished his hits. <laughs> Benoit the Brittle. Oh, I like it. But it's true. Guys got to do it, right? And so there has to be accountability. Somebody's got to set the standard. It's uh, It can't just always be blame the head coach. Uh, very true. Uh, that is uh, Ryan's Rand brought to you by Action Electrical. Uh, let's get to uh, Connor Halley uh, coming up the next hour. Andy Petrillo will join us. Another opportunity for you to help your neighbor with a brand new high-efficiency furnace from Legacy Heating and Cooling. But first, uh, the con man, Sports 1440 update brought to you by Fountain Tire. And the Road Ready event is on right now where you can save up to $225 on select tires and $50 bonus when you uh, have uh, any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions apply.